0: (laughs) Yeah, if I were to describe this last year in one word, I think I would probably just say "ema." Having my first child during a pandemic, it's really mostly been about about her because it's all been so new for me. Uh, But if I was picking some other words, uh, they'd be surreal, isolating, and stressful, but more stressful under the surface. Like sometimes uh, not realizing you're stressed until all of a sudden it comes out. My name is Jennifer Cooper. I'm the Landscape Architecture Bureau Manager for Public Works.
1: Hi, I'm Solange Guillaume, and I'm one of the landscape designers within the Bureau of Landscape Architecture at Public Works. I would describe last year as being circular, worrisome, cramped, and experimental.
0: What was experimental about your your year?
1: Um, it was. It had to do with how just life being so upended, not just by having a baby, but just by the circumstances of of work and childcare changes and shelter in place. And just everything was constantly an experiment. Like, how are we going to make this work? I don't know. We have to figure it out. (laughs) I, I feel like, um, basically just that it's, it was this constant kind of how do you how do you come to terms with something that's that's changing so much? And so I felt like the the constant just existence was a bit of an experiment.
0: You were on maternity leave before me, so when what day birthday?
1: It's December eleventh, so December. Um, of twenty nineteen, so right before the pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I remember we were we were just kind of switching places because you were just yep. coming back. <laughs> As yeah. I was going out on maternity leave. So, yeah, it was definitely interesting to have a baby during the pandemic because the hospital rules were changing week by week. You know, so I was, right. in, I was going in for my last appointments and then they would they would start to take your temperature on the way in. And then the next week you had to enter through a separate elevator. And, you know, you could only have one person in the, in the delivery room, you know, so there were kind of just these evolving rules about, you know, what you could or couldn't do at the hospital, uh, that was interesting and a little, uh, a little stressful. Yeah. Like my I mother. I can imagine was, it
1: being a scary, a bit frightening too. just the, another, all the unknowns around the disease still at that
0: time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mother was going to come. Uh, be there for when, when Emma was born, but she couldn't come because of the pandemic. So uh, we waited a couple months before she came to visit.
1: Yeah. We had, um, interestingly, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but we were on a, a road trip to see family when the coronavirus started becoming more known. Oh, so really? we were, yeah. So we were seeing family. We had driven uh, partway across the country we were seeing family in Tennessee and some family in Florida. And, um, it, at about uh, about two-thirds of the way in after we'd seen a lot of people that um, the pandemic became more widespread and known and folks were telling us when we were saying okay what do you want to do uh saying like maybe we shouldn't visit like let's let's cancel this let's not visit and so we actually cut our road trip short and came back home because we were uh worried and didn't want to um infect anybody or get infected ourselves and just didn't have enough people weren't wearing masks at that point this was like March (laughs) so yeah. yeah oh I didn't realize that
0: that's pretty crazy
1: yeah it was pretty wild
0: The logistics of having a baby when I hadn't had one before, there were just things that I had to think about that I, you know, wouldn't have had to think about if it wasn't a pandemic. So when we were thinking about childcare, you know, it's more dangerous, you know, is it more dangerous to send your child to daycare? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what are you going to do? You know, we ended up getting a nanny share, which I think is what you did as well. That's what we did
1: too. It's the same sort of
0: thought process, definitely. Yeah, and then when you're interviewing the nanny... you're asking different kinds of questions like, are you you being safe? Have you been tested? Who else is in your household? What are Mm. their jobs? Uh, So you're really kind of delving into someone's personal and family life uh, because anybody who is gonna be in your kid's life is in your bubble. That was kind of an interesting thing in the beginning of the pandemic to kind of decide who's gonna be in your personal bubble and how big you feel comfortable you know, how, how comfortable do you feel having more people uh, in your in your bubble? So we we kept things pretty small. It was just Chris and Ema and I and then the the nanny share family and the nanny was pretty much it. Yeah,
1: I think we had some of the same considerations and and decided on doing a nanny share for the same reasons. And that in preschool, basically, um, they tried to get the kids to wear masks, which I don't think was terribly successful. But when my daughter went back to preschool, I think they opened sometime in June. um, It was the same thing. as just like kind of accepting, well, we're now in a pod, basically, with all of these other preschool kids and their families, because if they come and bring something in, like it's, kind of unavoidable. So it's sort of like just an acceptance of some of that risk.
0: I guess I always thought when I had a child that during maternity leave that I would meet a ton of other moms, right? Like you think, okay, this is Mm -hmm. the time when I'm going to make all sorts of new mom friends. Uh, because you're going to be at the park, you're going to be walking around town, you're all going to, you know, meet each other. But it was so strange to not be able to do that. And I was lucky to have taken a prenatal class right before the pandemic. And so right after, right as the our prenatal class ended, we all got on WhatsApp and started a WhatsApp group so we could stay in touch. But I'm so glad we did that because once COVID hit, we couldn't see each other anyways. And so have this community, even on WhatsApp, was really so meaningful for me and so helpful because I don't know what I'm doing, you know. And so, and just knowing that there's all these other people that are having the same issues you're having, you know, we could crowdsource solutions like, oh, this worked for you. Did this work for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to have that community was so nice.
1: Yeah, it was, it was different. I, I, I would say, I did not do as much reaching out to to friends it just it i think just because of the juggle of um coming back to work in around april um juggling like that and then the shelter in place and then just i just didn't have much headspace for trying to to reach out And i think one of the things things that changed for the pandemic um i don't know it's kind of a weird it's a weird space for me anyway i've with family and our family's all kind of uh eastward of here. And so we would stay in touch. Um with baby and like do zoom calls and that sort of thing. Uh, I feel like they've become less frequent as the pandemic has worn on. And it's, it's something to do with maybe just not seeing people in person. I don't know. So I feel like my life has become a little bit more insular in a way that I don't think it would have with the pandemic. It, um just tended to kind of gravitate towards keeping everything closer to home and, and not going out as much, partly for safety reasons, but also just partly because People aren't seeing each other out as much. And so it's just become more of a habit to do it or something like that. Um, I can't quite put my finger on it, but yeah, I I do think with um, my first baby with Persephone, my older daughter, she we were um, we were more social just in in terms of during that maternity leave and,
0: and having a new baby. Like, we probably would have had a play date with A.M. I and know, and Oklahoma, I know, but, I can't but believe they haven't had one. But they haven't met yet. But since, I we're know. All getting, since we're all getting vaccinated, it might be, you know, closer than we think, hopefully. That'd um, be a good idea, yeah. I did feel lucky during my maternity leave to have a yard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had a small garden at our old apartment and it was sunny. We had a little bit of a view. It was totally overgrown, but we had these amazing plum trees and a huge, these huge rose bushes that just had probably never been pruned. And they were just like, but they were doing so well. And it was just like all pink, you know, fragrant wow, roses. Nice. You know, we built a raised bed and we're growing herbs. And so like, there was this real tactile, like quality to my maternity leave, I feel like, like there's, that's yeah, like, there's like summer plums and mint and roses <laughs> and, and also we were trying to have Ema smell everything. Mm, like mm, we were mm, trying mm. to give her all these like sensory experiences. So I was holding always like holding her up, you know, or giving her mint to smell or rosemary or, you know, letting her, oh, giving her a plum just to kind of suck on. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, it was really fun to expose her to all those things. Yeah. Knowing that someone's brain is forming and creating all these neural pathways. All those firsts. Yeah, all those firsts and all those sensory experiences are somewhere going to be buried somewhere deep in her mind. And Mm -hmm. I always wonder, like, when she's older, is she going to have some nostalgic reaction to the smell of mint and roses? Hopefully.
1: (laughs) Oh, that reminded me of one thing though I wanted to say, which was when when we came back and I was at work again in April um, and I was no longer in maternity leave, but we were at shelter in place. Um, that was about when a was about four or five, six months. And so the baby was home. And that really was kind of unprecedented because in the past, I, I went right back to work and my daughter went into childcare. And so I feel like there was more opportunity this time to just see more of Eowyn develop more, more than my, my older daughter Persephone did just see seeing her go through those changes of like just starting to walk and just starting to crawl there we had just more time um and and that was that was actually really nice I mean it, the the juggling work and and baby at home was really hard but it at the same time there was a benefit to just like being there for these kind of cool developmental milestones um that weren't in the same way before. I would put my five year old's trampoline, her mini trampoline, in a time capsule (laughs) because (laughs) during shelter in place and during like times when the playgrounds have been closed, and since we didn't have a backyard, she would just like go to town on bouncing on that thing for like an hour or more. (laughs) And whenever she gets like wild and crazy, we're like, here, you want to bounce on the trampoline? Sure. So I think that would go in the time capsule. It would just represent this like amazing functional object that. You can do all the things you need to do inside and it entertains your child so (laughs) that would be my piece
0: (laughs) that's awesome and you're making me want to get a mini trampoline for myself um (laughs) let's see if i could if there was a way to put this in a time capsule i would put in you know the taste of a summer plum the smell of mint and roses you know just and throw in a little bit of sunshine i think just into one sensory experience that you could get when you open the time capsule that's that's what i would want. <laughs> nice. since the pandemic i do feel different in that i am asking a lot more questions about kind of why we are the way we are as humans sometimes i think i've gotten a little philosophical <laughs> and <laughs> and maybe almost a little scientific like i've definitely been doing a lot of reading during the pandemic and I think because as a person, I, you know, deeply feel my need for other people. Yeah, yeah even though I don't technically need people for my survival, I do f- deeply feel the need for that connection and to see people, you know, and I feel that lack during the pandemic. So I think that's just caused me to ask a lot of philosophical questions about, like, who we are as humans, why do we need what we need, um, you know, thinking about our kind of tribalism in our mm-hmm. society and politics. like. You know what is that need that we feel, kind of for our tribe, for lack of a better um, word, and so that's been interesting for me, and it's just kind of sent me down a whole bunch of different rabbit holes as far as reading and documentaries and (laughs) and different (laughs) things. Um, And I also had started abstract painting um, before, before the pandemic, but I think since I've had more kind of free time, I've definitely been doing more of it. And it's really gestural and just not totally non-representational and i've just realized how helpful it is for catharsis and mm-hmm. just that art itself is so important for our kind of society's catharsis in general mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i don't know if you feel the same way uh, with your music
1: yeah yeah i will say that it's um I, I'm a pianist. So I should just say that out loud first. I, 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 <laughs> I studied piano for a very long time, but um, coming coming to and having a piano in the house is really nice. Um, but having a moment where it's just like an opportunity to sit down and read through some music or make something up, um, it, it has been a thing that I have come to not many times during the pandemic, just because... Um, <laughs> It is hard to fit something like that in with the two kids around, but, but it is something that I've come to as a a place of, um, of grounding. I had one day when I went out and watercolored too, I feel like that was, that was really helpful. Actually, that makes me uh, want to bring up one coping strategy that I want to put forward that was really helpful that Zach and I created for ourselves, which was, um, passing off, giving each other a, a full day on a weekend. Like an eight-hour day, hmm. um, where one of us takes both the kids, and the other person gets to choose where they want to be. So, if you want to be in the house, then the other person takes the kids outside the whole day, or to, or vice versa. Um, and and we've done it a few times, and it's really, I think it's helped us, helped us kind of maintain a sense of ourselves in the middle of all of the, the kind of craziness. So um, <laughs> we've <laughs> we've been we've been able to give each other some time to just kind of have personal reflection time. And so one of those opportunities recently, I went out and um and it's of watercoloring which I hadn't done in like a year and it just felt great so it was yeah that kind of thing connecting to art I do I I agree does have a a way of sort of bringing bringing up the spirits it's nice. My husband and I before with just one child and no pandemic um, we would be commuting a lot and we'd pick up and drop off and we cooperated and got things done, but to have to live in the same space with somebody else like 24/7 for months and months and months, um, I just think that both of us, for each other, we've had to become better partners because we've had to like find out, you know, when some person's like just lagging, like you got to pick up the slack, but that's okay, and like what what irritated uh, either either of us or each of us before, we just have to let it go sometimes because it's not mm-hmm. worth it. Like <laughs> just have to like find these, find these ways to like support each other and let things go and try to like navigate because it's con- it's kind of constant with the two kids and so and like, constant with the flexibility. And so I think there there are ways in which I have um, learned how to be a better partner because of the pandemic, which is kind of a strange, strange bonus. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sure there's lots of people whose relationships got worse during the pandemic. So I, heard, I, feel, like
1: so I feel like if
0: you've made it through the pandemic, period, you know, and yeah. with kids and your relationship yeah. is still going well, I feel like you've probably done a great job. Okay. we doing okay. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting how everybody feels once things are back to some semblance of normal. Yeah, You know, yeah. like, are are we going to have this, I don't know, almost PTSD about it where you're just waiting for some other thing to change <laughs> or, you know, because yeah. you're constantly ready to just adapt to the next thing. So it'll be interesting to see how it is uh, afterwards. I mean, yeah. aside from being a relief. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> it made me wonder if, you know, I know San Francisco is probably going to go through a bit of an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Because of all of this, you know, is you know kind of who are we now and who do we want to be? And I think coming out of something like this, it's a good time to kind of reevaluate who we want to be as a city. And so I thought it would be interesting if we thought of ourselves the city of neighborhoods. You know it might be might be better for us to celebrate the fact that we are a city. you know, a quirky city of these little idiosyncratic neighborhoods, yeah. um, you know with all our staircases and tiny community gardens and really appreciating that part of who we are uh, as a city. Yeah,
1: that's definitely definitely a good point, especially um, during the pandemic when uh, playgrounds were shut down. um, We spent a lot more time in parks and went on a lot more, many more walks, especially bike rides and just having that kind of connection to to the space and walking in, in the space where we live. I think that um, even at just as a family, there was a lot more of that time spent than we would have otherwise. Yeah, so
0: that, yeah it'd be interesting to see how people feel about their neighborhoods mm-hmm. uh, after the pandemic. True, yeah. As a landscape architect, obviously we always have known the value of public space, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in our profession, you obviously don't need to sell us on the fact that Public no. open space is important, and so it's a little bit probably funny for, for us to hear everybody saying, wow, you know, public open space is important. Well, we're like, yes, of course it is. It's uh,
1: always been important. It's always been important. I'm <laughs> glad you're waking up to that. Uh, yeah.
0: But, I, but yeah, having everybody really out of necessity, um, needing to occupy their neighborhoods, you know, you, you can't go to other places. So, you know, the whole city has to be your backyard. And so looking at it in, in that way is really important. And so I'll be interested to see the more permanent changes that come out of this. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it always seems so odd to me that people in San Francisco didn't eat outdoors more often. Yeah. Normally, we do have such good weather, but it does get cold and foggy in the evenings. And so I could see why maybe it's less attractive. But really, all you need is some heat lamps, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And a coat. <laughs> and so I, I'm just so glad, you know, I'm curious to see how this changes our outdoor culture, that now that people are, you know, restaurants are equipped now mm-hmm. to eat outdoors, they've already made the investment, um, you know, in the, in the parklets and heaters, you know, is this something that's has kind of going to become part of our normal culture post pandemic, or are people just going to go back to eating indoors?
1: The shared streets initiative is huge and just the, the need and the use of them has uh, been really um, has impressed upon me that kind of uh, awareness and availability for, for people to kind of use what's use what's close and really uh, uh, access it, especially in this kind of time of need. So I think in looking at my own profession and what I do, like I, I
0: still see the value in it. The shared streets have been really great it's been i live near the sanchez one and so it's been great to see kids out there riding their bikes there's a band that plays on the corner on the weekends and it's been great to see people use that space but i wonder after the pandemic are they still going to use the space in that way or are they going to go back to going to to the places they used to go you know so i'll be curious how it changes our how does it change our habits as a manager, you know, I've had to look at our workload and all the other agencies in the city are our clients. And so if they're affected by, you know, financial aspects of the pandemic, then so are we, right? Which in ways that you don't think about. So if the, if no one's riding public transit and the MTA isn't getting those funds, you know, they might cut back some of their projects. They might delay some of their projects. Uh, The same, you know, the SFPUC, like they, I didn't even think about how much they would be affected by tourists not being in hotels. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if people aren't flushing toilets and taking showers that affects the amount of rates that are paid and so there's all these kind of trickle down effects of what happens in other city agencies and how it affects us and our our workload
1: i'm a little bit worried about like and i think everybody is a little bit about like money and budget and how the pandemic is going to affect that and like what can we what the shape of work will be in the future but um but it uh at least to me it, it has really struck home for me the value of of the work that i do and I'm part of the landscape architecture team. And so um, I would say, I mean, in, in terms of my role at Public Works, it it changed and it didn't, like the same types of work had to get done, that didn't change. Um, it, and it really was just the like, getting used to a remote situation, working with design, figuring out how to, to iterate and pass information back and forth. Um, I, in terms of how I pursue my work, I think it takes more effort now to try to find um, without having more opportunities to travel in a way, it takes more effort to pull from inspiration. I think that that has mm. to, for me, when I'm looking into doing an actual design, I do more kind of digging on the internet and um, there's just, um, there's a level in like looking at kind of precedence and and thinking about design. And I think in in the past, I would have had a little bit more of a I don't know a fluid relationship with like getting outside and look and knowing what my kind of things I've seen in travels and going back through photos. I don't know. I feel like there's a, a level in which that's kind of changed professionally how I'm how I'm operating. Um, but I do I did have a really uh, interesting part of uh, pro- a project that I participated in, Sunset Boulevard. Um, we were uh, working as a team to create these pilot blocks and there was the potential for funding and then the funding went away when the pandemic happened. But um, through some community organizing and working with community groups, we were actually able to effectively install these pilot blocks during the pandemic, Or one pilot block anyway, during the pandemic of a planting. It was like a planting design. Um, but that process was all done over Zoom with all of these other uh, team organizations who really were um, uh, 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 community organizations who were really invested in the project idea, um, and we we made it happen and um, navigated like how many volunteers could be in a space at a time and got got something in the ground. So it was this interesting um, kind of coming together and collaboration for. Uh, a widespread group of people who were not necessarily in public works, although some of them were, towards a, a, a group goal. And that also brought some volunteers into it during the pandemic. And it was something that brought people outside. So I feel like it was a very uh, wonderful and positive thing and in a way to impact um, the community in the times of pandemic when everyone is like very insular and closed. So um, I, I, I was really glad that that happened. That was, that was, a part of my job and it felt a little bit like outside of my job as well because I I put some volunteer hours into it too. Mm-hmm. So it was um it was, it was both. And that was kind of a nice, it was a really it was a really nice endeavor to happen during this
0: time. Most of I think my contribution has been managerial. You know, there was a lot of logistics, especially in the beginning, of getting people set up to work well from home you know obviously much harder to manage a team and to get a sense of where people are at when you can't just see them right and i think my style is more just to typically walk around the office and i stop and say hi to people and i think it's a good way to keep the pulse you know to keep track of the pulse of the group and what's going on so it is very hard when you can't when you can't just do that so you know i would just get somebody in the chat and say, Hey, how you doing? Or just jump on a quick call, you know, a quick video call with people just to check in, especially early on. Well, I think it was a little bit harder. I feel like people are doing fairly well now, but I think there was some variety of how everyone was being able to respond in the beginning. One thing I thought was fun that we did in the beginning, I don't think it's carried all the way through, but I had everybody add where they lived on a Google map. Mm -hmm. And it was helpful for me to know where there were clusters of people, especially in case I was out and about, like, and I wanted to check in with people, I could. I actually met with one of our interns, Tara. Oh, good. At the Noe Valley Town Square, because she also lived nearby, which I didn't realize. Nice. Um, oh, until, great. until I saw the map. And so we were able to get <laughs> together. And I think I was going on a site visit somewhere and I realized someone else lived nearby. So we got together for lunch. And so, yeah, that was a nice way just to check in.
1: In working for public works as a career choice, uh there is, uh, I find real value and passion in being a public servant, and so I think that there is a, a way in which that label doesn't seem too much more of an extension from how I um, find value in the job itself.
0: I feel like everybody on our team and everybody at Public Works that I know, it just feels like they're really dedicated to what public service means. So, you know, if if, if you were called up to, you know, be of service, everybody would be happy to go do it. Um, yeah. You know, I think we never expected that we would be called to do so during a global pandemic. Right. I think think in our minds, I think the thing that we trained for is usually an earthquake. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an earthquake. Um, You know, usually our landscape architecture team would be part of the planning section. So Mm -hmm. we'd be deployed to the EOC. We'd be helping direct, uh, kind of direct traffic as far as resources around the city. Um, So, yeah, this is very different and something that I think would have been hard to plan for. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm Solange Guillaume. And I'm Jennifer Cooper.
0: Thanks for listening to Snapshots.
1: Still We Rise, a public works podcast.